Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? That is awesome. Today we are going to talk about a topic that can elicit a lot of different feelings and emotions uh, from people. In fact, there's a lot of people that say we shouldn't talk about this topic, especially in a church. And they'll even say, this is why uh, I don't like going to church, or this is why people stop going to church, because you have to talk about this topic. Can anyone guess what we're going to talk about today? (laughs) How did you know? How did you know? And I guarantee you there's people in here that you just took a big, you know, like, oh, man, I wish I would have stayed at the cottage or on the boat or had, you know, trimmed the bushes this morning. Like, oh, of all the Sundays to skip. Maybe you're a guest here this morning and you're like, is this what this church talks about all the time? No, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, or maybe you bought a guest this morning. I am so sorry, all right? Um, <laughs> And guests, trust me, come back next week. We're not going to be talking about it next week. Uh, But we are going to be talking about this topic of giving. Uh, And in fact, uh, this church doesn't really talk about giving very often. I actually looked it up. The last time that we actually did an entire sermon on this was back in 2015. Uh, And even though that I've given several talks when I ran the youth program for 13 years, uh, I've never actually given a talk on Sunday morning. And I know, I get it. I get it that it can make people uncomfortable. I get that there's different uh, feelings and opinions out there. In fact, some people, they're just like, oh man, they just, they get frustrated by it. Well, there's actually people in our church, check this out, they're actually glad that we're addressing the topic because they understand spiritual giving to the Lord. And they've seen the blessings and the fruit that has come from giving, you know, God a portion of their income. And they're so glad that other people would be invited into this lifestyle. Where still there's probably others that are just like, you know, it's kind of like that head down kind of almost shame feeling of, oh man, here we go. Like, I, I want to give. In my heart, I want to give. I, I, just, I just can't. I just can't in my financial situation. And it's kind of interesting because I want to do a little research, you know, kind of get to the heart. What is it that just drives people nuts about this topic, especially in America and in our culture today? Why is it so many people have a hard time with it? And so I found all these different reasons online and I, and I basically picked the top three, the top three that spoke to me uh, that were kind of you know, meaningful for me. So I want you to see this. This is, uh, this is why people don't like talking about this topic. Number one, all the church wants is my money, right? Is that true? So all the church wants is your money? The second one is this. Well, the church must be in financial trouble for having a money talk. And some of you are going, wait a second, if it's been three years, what's going on, Tim? We've had a bad summer, is the budget down, you're getting ready to cut a staff member, what's going on, why do you need to uh, address this subject? And my personal favorite, I just kept going back to this one, because it was too good to not tell you, the pastor wants or needs a raise. (laughs) I was like, that's it, we got to start talking about money every single week, if that was the case. And so I want to kind of walk you through uh, these three, these kind of three big anchor reasons here. And so the first one, we're going to look at it again here, that all the church wants is your money. And I want you to know here at Shepherd's Gate, as you heard just a few moments ago as we took our offering, as we received our offering, every single week we tell people, hey, if you're a guest, don't feel obligated to give. We say the same thing every week. This is a place for those that call Shepherd's Gate home to what? To respond out of what God has given us and uh, give a portion of that back to him. And number two, maybe you're wondering if we're in financial trouble. And I'm so excited today that I can tell you we are absolutely not in financial trouble. 
Many of you know we ended last year with the highest offering ever in the history of our 38 years, right? And uh, last year at this time, you know, I had just become a lead pastor and, our, and you know, we were 2%, 3% under um, the, the previous year's giving and I was sweating bullets and saying, okay, what's going on? Uh, this summer, you guys have been so gracious, our giving is above last year's giving. So I want you to think about that. We had the highest record last year and we're above our giving from last year. So that's not what this is about. Yes, praise God for that. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. And the third one, the pastor wants or needs a raise. I just want to let you know, I'm so grateful that here at Shepherd's Gate, uh, we have what's called the personnel committee. And there's, they're made of six people, men and women, from all different stages and ages in our congregation that determine my salary and help set the course of the salary of our staff and benefits. Uh, they're business owners. They're in uh, high-level management positions in their organizations or they work in HR. So they're all versed in this stuff and they do an incredible job. And we have systems of checks and balances here at church. So I just want you to know going into this that none of these are true for us today. And maybe you wonder, well, why is it that pastors talk about money? And every church that I've ever been in, every church I've ever followed, even the ones I follow online, from the biggest megachurches to the smallest ones, always talk about money. And really, the truly, the reason is, it's because Jesus talked a whole lot about money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did any other topic in the Bible. And I bet you, some of you know that statistic. But here, do you realize to the level that Jesus talked about money that 16 of the 38 parables he told were connected on how we handle money and our possessions? In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of, you guessed it, money. 288, think about that, a tenth. The Bible offers 500 passages of scripture on prayer, Almost 500 on faith, but over 2,000 on our possessions and our money. And why is that? Maybe you're here today and you don't believe in God and you say, see, Jesus is just after my money. <laughs> God just, this is what, it's all a cult. It's all a bunch of crap. It's all, whatever the case is, this is what it is. This is the whole smoke screen behind this. This is why I don't believe in God or the church. And I want to say right from the beginning, this sermon is not about trying to get your money. In fact, we already took the offering, okay? <laughs> and we're not doing the second offering at the end of the service, all right? So take a deep breath. That's not, what it's, that's not what this is about. This is truly our heart's desire, is that we want Jesus for you. I can say that with boldness and confidence, that we want Jesus for you, and we want his teachings and his blessings for you and your life and your family. That is the heartbeat of this message this morning. It's a spiritual matter and I get to come at you as one of the pastors and explain and, and teach and show you how this is really truly our heart's desire this morning. You see, we all need money to survive, amen? But yet it's this tool. It's simply a tool that God provides for us. I don't know if you know this, but we live in a country uh, where we're only 5% of the world's population. 95% of the world's population lives outside of our borders, yet we consume 25% of the world's energy. In fact, if all the impoverished areas of the world consumed at the rate Americans consume, we would have to create three brand new Earths in order to accommodate all of that stuff. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. And yet, the average American gives less than 2% of their income away. 
See, there's so many people in our world, and it's crazy to think even in our day and age that millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people still don't even have access to clean drinking water. Yet we have so much water, we can even water our grass. I mean, think about that. It's crazy. We know we live in a society where we're constantly bombarded with commercials and advertisements and all sorts of billboards that constantly show us everything we don't have but somehow we desperately need. Every day you and I wake up and we're bombarded with images and voices on the TV and the radio and signs and even smells that remind us, hey, there's something here that you don't have yet and you need to go out and you need to get that. You need to acquire that. We need to have a bigger house and a better car. We need a faster boat or a longer camper. That one was for me. We need more clothes, we need more jewelry, we need more of this, we need to be able to go on more vacations and pretty soon it can become so easily to not become content with what God has already insanely blessed us with. Man, sometimes I think we lose sight of this, me included, how blessed we really are and really what it comes down to is this attitude of this posture, what often happens is we become greedy. That's what happens, we become greedy. Everyone is guilty of it. And you know what, here's really the reality for us is that that greed is not a financial issue. Did you know that? Greed is a heart issue. And you know how I know this is true? Because if I put two two two-year-olds up on this stage right here and I gave one a toy and not the other one, guess what's about to go down? (laughs) It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. We all struggle with greed. In fact, the Bible is full of scriptures on greed. Here's one of them that Jesus said in Luke. He said this, watch out, exclamation point, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he doesn't just say greed, he says all kinds of greed. That there's all sorts of distractions, there's all sorts of things that are vying for your attention. In fact, one of the wisest men that ever lived, his name was Solomon. He literally had everything you could ever want, hope, or imagine. The richest guy on the planet. He said this in Ecclesiastes. He said, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Yet he was the richest man in the world. Think about that. And we think, if I can just make more money, then I can buy more stuff. And all of this stuff is going to make me really, really, really happy, isn't it? Right? Maybe you're here this morning and you maybe have crossed over that line and you become obsessed with the next dollar. You've become obsessed with the next possession. And maybe God would speak to the heart this morning to just pause and think about this for a moment. Is that really making you happy? Is the pursuit of that really what's giving you joy and peace and contentment in your life? Is that really what God's called us to do? Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, that's not me at all. In fact, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I can barely make ends meet. Well, look at the people that do have money. Look at the people that seem to have it all put together. Do they have joy and peace and contentment in their life? It's so interesting because I've met so many people that have money. I don't know why, Lisa and I have always had friends that have had lots of money. And guess what? They have the same issues that everybody else faces on this planet. Nobody is exempt from it. You can't just throw money at an issue and expect it to go away. 
So even though we live in this country and we have this ability to work hard and put in the extra hours and build wealth and do all of these things, we're really bad at managing money, aren't we? So not only are we bad at it individually, we're bad at it collectively as a country. In fact, I want you to see this slide. This is our consumer debt right now in the U.S., $12.73 trillion. Look right underneath there. 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck in our country. That 7 out of 10 couples do not budget consistently. And then right underneath there, see where it says 66% of Americans would struggle to pay for a $1,000 emergency. And if, you're in the Dave, uh, if you've taken the Dave Ramsey classes, you know what this chart is getting after. In fact, this is where this chart comes from. See, this is why we actually offer the Dave Ramsey class here at Shepherd's Gate. And uh, outside of our new member discovery class, it's the most attended class over the last several years. So many people, hundreds of people in our congregation have gone through this class. Lisa and I went with it right before we got married. In fact, that was over 10 years ago, and it was becoming popular in our area here. And Kensington uh, Church was one of the first churches that was offering it for small groups. And so my brother and his wife go to Kensington, and they invited us to their small group before we even did it here at Shepherd's Gate. So here Lisa and I are in this financial peace class right before we got married. And after we got done with all of these sessions, guess what we did? We went back to our wedding ceremony, and we started cutting things out of our wedding and our wedding ceremony. It shook us up. We're like, we don't need, what are we doing? Do we want to go in all this debt right before we get married for one day, eight hours to entertain all these people that love us anyways are going to show up and give us money anyways, right? (laughs) And we got married and we sat down and we came up with our budget and we were both working. We put our income at the top And the very next thing we did is like, okay, God, what is it that you're speaking to our heart about? What is it that you want us to give back? What portion of this do you want us to give back to you? And that's the second line on our budget. And then everything else flows from there. All the other things that we have, all of our other expenses in our lives. I mean, why does the scripture say, be on your guard, exclamation point? What is he saying? He's saying, watch out, use your head, think about what you're doing, come up with a plan. Watch your attitude. Don't get caught up in the spiritual possessions of this world. Stop. Take a deep breath. Think for a moment. And he ends it with, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. God tells us this. Jesus is speaking these truths. Guess what? Your life is way more than what you have or how much wealth you can make. Again, greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. In fact, over in Matthew, this is how Jesus said it. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. There it is. For where your treasure is, look at what it says, there your heart will be also. And this isn't saying that you should go home today and sell all your possessions and give it all to the poor or the church or whatever the case may be. This isn't saying that you can't be financially responsible and, you know, save your kid's college fund or your retirement fund or put things in order for your affairs, for your, for your retirement. That's not what this is saying. God is saying that he is after our hearts and he knows that our checkbooks are connected to our hearts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'm fascinated by how many things are actually connected to our hearts. Out of our heart, our mouth actually speaks. Before you speak a word, it comes from your heart. 
That faith starts in our hearts. God comes to us and he awakens faith within us. That love, we only love because God first loved us. And guess where love starts? It starts in our hearts. Compassion and all of the other fruits of the Spirit that Pastor John talked about last week from John 15, all of these start, originate from the heart. Everything flows from the heart. No, what is Jesus saying? It is what we, pres- what we treasure. We treasure, let's be honest, our money and our possessions. And if you want to figure out a person's heart, then look at their treasure. Look at their bank account and look at their possessions. That's where you'll know they're at. Because God is smart enough, he's wise enough to know that we place an enormous value on our possessions. But yet the reality is God doesn't need our money. There's so many scriptures on that. He's after our hearts. He knows where we put our money, our heart will naturally follow. And so for you and for me as followers of Jesus, we live in this tension between making an income and having a job and you know, trying to do everything we can to provide for ourselves and our families as well as, God, what is it that you've called me to do? What is it that you're asking me to do? And why is this so important that you want me to give a portion of this away? What I find interesting is if you kind of just peel back from it, it's, it really comes down to that we kind of view spending different than we do giving. I think that's why it's so hard for some people to part with their hard-earned money. And no one is saying that you didn't work hard for your money. You see, when it comes to spending, we have no problem putting expenses on a credit card. Or if we need something, we'll go out and take a loan, right? If we need a house, if we need cars, if we need a boat, if we need a cottage, whatever the case may be, we have no problem doing all those things. But when it comes to giving, we wait until all our expenses are paid, and then we look and we see what's left, and we give based on what's left rather than the other way around. We view these two differently. And I believe it's not because people don't want to give. People that are followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has brought you to faith. I believe truly, you truly do want to give. It's just that the priorities are out of whack. You see, when I was in high school, my youth pastor and my senior pastor um, talked about money and talked about giving. And that was the first time that I probably actually started paying attention to what they were saying. And here I am, I'm in high school, right? And I said, hey, if this is what God wants from me, then maybe I should step out in faith and look at this as something that I can be part of. And I want you to think about this. When I was in high school, um, minimum wage, ready for this, was $4.25 an hour. It was called the 90s. Does anybody remember the 90s? When they were great. It was a great decade, wasn't it? Great decade. The 90s. I had a part with, you know, a portion of $4.25. Like I said, when Lisa and I got married, we created this budget and we put our income at the top and the very next thing was our mutually agreed upon donation. God first. We made sure that those dollars are set aside for his kingdom. And then what was left was for our kingdom, our house, and our cars, our insurance, and food, and kids. And who thought about, you know, who came up with that idea, right? They should come with money attached to them, right? (laughs) Dear Lord, clothes, and so on. And this, over the years, has helped us not overextend ourselves. This has helped us stay within our means. This has helped us not make purchases that we can't afford. And we recognize that this giving is for our benefit. 
It's our way of saying to God, when you give, that we're not in control of our lives. That even the talent and the skills and the education that you've given me to be able to produce the wealth that I have, this is all a gift from God. And God, I gladly give back. You are, you're only asking for a portion. God, you could have asked for so much more. You're only asking for a portion of this back. In fact, look at what it says in Deuteronomy. It says this, You may say to yourself, which we know there's people that say this, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. I know what people say, come on, come on, come on, pastor. I'm ashamed of my debt and poor management. Talking about money, it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. It just makes me feel so awkward. And I want you to know this this morning. I want you to receive this piece. As Christians, our identity in Jesus is, is found in him and him alone. It is not found in our financial portfolio. God paid the ultimate price for you and I when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. This has nothing to do with our salvation. God loves you and he's called you to faith. This has everything to do with our sanctified life and stepping out in faith and asking God to speak to our hearts and respond to him with gladness. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I can't give, I'm a poor college student. Do you realize how expensive college is today? Or I have too many student loans or I just got married or I just had my first kid. And as I mentioned earlier, the first time I heard about giving or even paid attention about this was in high school and working at that banquet hall and, and cleaning people's dishes. And, you know, back then I, I had to be responsible. My parents made me responsible for my own car insurance. Imagine that, right? And I was responsible for my own gasoline. I was even responsible to make the monthly payment on my pager, right? <laughs> you guys all remember what those are? For the millennials in here, let me tell you, there's this, they look, kind of look like this, okay? They were beautiful. Most of them were black. And people would page you, and a cell phone number or a telephone number would pop up on the top, and you had to then drive to a payphone, another historical, you know, artifact, and you would have to call the person to call them back because they were trying to get a hold of you. And yet, still to this day, as you start small and you watch, as God begins to bless that in your life, I went off to college in Minneapolis. I paid for college myself and I had to work full-time and work full-time and um, I would always come back to Michigan on the holidays and I always came back during tax season because my tax preparer, the same guy that does my taxes to this day, is one of my spiritual dads from the church that I grew up in. His name's Mike Crocker, lives in Roseville, Michigan. And every time I came back, I'd be like, man, my car's gonna fall apart or man, you know, college is getting more and more expensive and I don't wanna take out any more loans and I got this and I got this and I got that and I'm juggling all these different things and every single time he would pray with me and every time that I left his house, he would always say the same thing. He'd say, Tim, listen, don't stop giving to the Lord. Whatever you do, no matter how hard it is, make sure you give a portion, pray about it and just give a portion back to the Lord. And it was just constant reinforcement, I believe, that got me through those college years that enabled me to do that. And what's so amazing, and people that give understand this, that when you give and you continue to give, somehow all of those other items on the budget somehow come into play. And God meets your needs. He doesn't always meet your wants. Amen? <laughs> Knew I'd get an amen on that one. He doesn't always meet your wants, but for certain he meets each and every one of your needs. And I know still others will say, well, I give to other organizations. I give to other ministries and charities, you know, the church at large, outside of Shepherd's Gate. And I can tell you this, this church 
and many hundreds of churches like us truly believe this, that a Christian's first obligation is to contribute to the health and the well-being of its local church. And I know you can say, well, that sounds very self-serving. Well, take it up with Jesus, okay? <laughs> uh, listen, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> It has nothing to do with me. I mean, this is not, this is not the, you know, the easiest talk to give. But, but here's the reason. The church is not an organization. The church is a family, right? And when you choose to be part of Shepherd's Gate, this is why we take this process through all of our new members. They have to go through this entire process and say, hey, you don't have to join, but if you want to join, hey, you're agreeing to be part of this family and to share the load, whether it's serving or giving or being in worship, using your spiritual gifts. All of those things come into play in the heart of the believer, I mean, imagine showing up to the potluck dinner for your family reunion, right? And everybody's there, and you say, you know, I didn't feel like bringing the dish this time. I figured grandma's got me covered, or my aunt's got me covered, or Uncle Buck always brings extra burgers. He's got me covered. That's not how it works. Everyone brings a portion. Everyone brings what God has laid on their heart because of the spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ when we live that out in him. And here's what's so cool about being part of Shepherd's Gate. This is why it's so easy for us, is that we give 13% of everything we bring in right back outside our doors. Absolutely phenomenal. We could spend that money on us. Do you know that? You know how tempting that is? Last year we gave over $250,000 away. We could have hired more staff. We could have done stuff with the roof. We could have done stuff with the parking lot. We could have done stuff wherever. Pick something in the, in the church that we could have spent that money on, and we don't. That 13% is what's fu uh, funding this uh, um, Step Out and Serve initiative that we're getting ready to do. We're going to give the money away and use it to help other people in our community. And I'm so thankful to, for the six people that serve on this committee. And we came up with a new system this year. It was going to function just like the church council where two people are going to rotate off every single year so that new, uh, two new people can be part of this committee. I mean, who wants to be on the committee that gives money away, Right? And that way, over five years, over 10 years, over 15, over 20 years, hopefully so many people in our congregation have the opportunity to be on this, to be generous, not just with individual finances, but with our finances as a church, as a whole. See, we can so easily keep it for ourselves, but yet our church models it for us. So here's our challenge for every one of us today. Maybe you've never given. Maybe you stopped giving. Maybe you're not giving at the rate that you would like. Here it is. Go home and pray about it. If you're married, grab your spouse and have a conversation and pray about it together and then come up with a plan. And here at Shepherd's Gate, we encourage a percentage. Whatever your income is, come up with a percentage. If it's 1%, 1%, if it's 2%, whatever it is, whatever God would lay on your heart. And then begin to create your budget, put your income at the top, put your percentage right underneath there of what you're going to give back to God, and then put everything else below it. Because this is what God says in, its, in, his, in his word. This is the only time he actually says it in his word. He says, test me in this. Let go of this and watch what I will do. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's the local church, by the way. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And as you come up with that, as you come up with that percentage, this next part's going to sound even crazier, all right? So just buckle your seatbelts here. Whatever that is, as you pray about that as an individual and as a family, as a couple, whatever that is for you, take it and then increase it by 1%. And the reason you're going to increase it by 1% is because you're going to test God and see that if he really truly is going to provide for you and take care of you 
and cover your needs. Test me, watch me. See what I'm going to do in your heart and in your life. Because again this morning, our bills are being paid. Things are going great. You guys are doing an awesome job. We're, we're, our church is getting out of debt. We're only a couple years away. I mean, so many awesome things are taking place in this church. This truly is a spiritual matter between you and God that we want for you. We don't want anything from you. We want Jesus and his teachings and his blessings for you and for your life. Because so many of us have been impacted by this principle, this biblical principle, this principle of discipleship, and like every other discipleship principle, whether it's praying or worshiping or whatever the case may be, it needs to be cultivated. And so thank you for allowing me to speak into your heart this morning as my heart was spoken into over and over again from when I was in high school through all the years that I've been in churches. Thank you for allowing me to speak into your heart and would you pray and ask God what he would speak to your heart and your life about. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I thank you that they didn't get up and walk out when they heard what we were going to be talking about today. And God, we pray, help us in our American Christian culture and with this topic of money and why we struggle with it so much. God, would you just help us? Your word, which passes so all understanding, God, your word, which, which is our, our textbook for how we live our lives, how we engage with you. God, help us to take you at your word, that we can trust you. God, it was you that sent your son Jesus to the cross for us. And that if we can trust you with our very salvation, that when we close our eyes in this life and open them in the next, we will see you face to face. If we can trust you with our salvation, certainly we can trust you with our pocketbooks. So God, help us. Help us as individuals. Help us as married couples. Help us as families. God, help us as a church family to be honoring to you with everything that you've given us, with our jobs, with our marriages, with our kids, with our grandkids, and yes, God, even our finances. God, we're just so humbled and grateful for the way you're providing for this church and you continue to provide. God, I pray no one leaves here today feeling guilty or feels ashamed or any of that. It wasn't the goal this morning, but God, they would realize they are a redeemed, loved child of you. So God, now give us your hope, your peace as we leave here today. We love you and thank you for everything that you've given us through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. It is in your name that we pray, amen. Will you stand this morning for the benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and may he give you his peace.